Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing the film, The Batman. All right. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for The Batman? Sure. When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. All right. And with that, our one-sentence summary for the Batman and Sweet Tradition. What was your one-sentence summary, Sarah? Yes, mine is, the Batman puts the gothic back in Gotham. Oh, I like it. Thanks. Well played. Wow. Thanks. I think that's high on my list of favorites. Yes. Nailed it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) All right. Well, my one sentence summary is things Batman and the Riddler don't have in common with the general public in 2022 to be unmasked. (laughs) I uh, just took a flight a couple of days ago, nice. and we people are not wearing masks out here in these streets, so uh, stop of mine. Yeah, very culturally relevant. Well done. Yes. yes. All right. Let's start off with our initial thoughts of the Batman, and I suppose we will keep it in spoiler-free territory for our initial thoughts, and then we'll dive into um, all of the spoilers and plot points and whatnot. So. What were your initial thoughts of the Batman? You know, I have some uh, I have some mixed feelings about the Batman. Um, there are elements of it that I really, really like. Uh, when we found out that there was going to be another iteration of the Batman, I was wondering, you know, what in the world could we learn that's new about this character that's been, you know, portrayed so many times. And I love that we actually do see a different side of him. And so I thought that that was very interesting. There was a lot of things with like the cinematography that I liked. I really liked the score as well. Um, So there's a lot that I I feel like this film does really well. Um, And I I really do appreciate the direction that it took Bruce Wayne in. Uh, But I think this movie is just way too long. It is three hours long. It should not have been three hours long. and I, I think it's just too filled with too many things. It felt like it was overstuffed for me. So I wish that they really would have like trimmed it down, maybe lost a couple of uh, secondary characters to make it a little bit more lean. And then we really could have focused more on this version of Bruce Wayne and this version of Batman rather than getting kind of lost in some of these other characters and, and kind of the the bigness of Gotham. I, I wish this had been a little bit more targeted. Um, so I, I just, I wish that it was shorter. And uh, I think that could have helped a lot with some of maybe the pacing problems. I think there was a lot of really interesting themes that it starts to explore, but it never really like fully explores them. So I, I see a lot of opportunity here and it does do a lot of things really, really well. Uh, I just think it could have been a lot better than what we got. Well, this will be a fun episode because I also felt very mixed about this movie. Um, I'm thinking back to a quote from you, Sarah, uh, oh, after no. watching. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a neutral one. It's a neutral one. Uh, after watching the original Dune, I think the 70s, 60s, 70s or 80s version of Dune, um, where there was simul- you said there was simultaneously not enough information and too much information at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. similarly about the Batman, and more specifically, not information in, as far as world building, but around this character. And I think there there was opportunity to really showcase this other side and of, of the, of this Batman character and have us grapple with some really interesting ideas. We kind of, uh, get a little tease of it, but we never get to see that in full fruition. Um, I had a good time with this movie. Uh, I think it was, it was a little bit of a slog in the middle section. Um, but 
this really felt like a three-hour moodscape. Like we were just immersed in this gritty world, soaking in all of the cinematography choices and the color palette choices. And you mentioned the score as well. Uh, It's just such a vibe that we are immersed in for three hours, which is really fun. Um, There were some some cool set pieces along the way that I think kept our attention enough. But I I think that had this been paced differently, this wouldn't have felt like a three-hour-long movie and instead it would have felt more like an exciting ride. Um, it was is pretty even-toned as far as its momentum from the beginning to the very end. We kind of kept the same pace throughout without moments of um, heightened drama and moments to catch our breath. And I think had this been more structured uh, with a little bit more clarity, we would have felt uh, more of that thrill and coming down from the highs that I think would have helped keep this moving forward a little bit more. Um, yeah, there's there's some other things that we can talk about in spoilers, but yeah, overall I feel mixed. I had a pretty decent time with this. I think there just could have been things that could have made this a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, like this fell into the trap that most superhero movies fall into for me, whether they're two hours or three hours long, that by the third act, I just don't care anymore. And that's how I felt about <laughs> the Batman. Uh yeah, by the third act, I was like, I don't even care what happens to Gotham at this point. Like, whatever. Blow it up. Blood it. <laughs> have your way. Don't matter. Mm-hmm. Just get me out of this movie. And so uh, I think you're right. Like, if some of the pacing was a little bit different, uh, maybe I would have been more engaged in that final act rather than just ready for it to be over. Yeah, and it's interesting well maybe this is where we can include our our spoiler alert because it's it'll be hard for us to talk about pacing and the third act without uh spoiling the ending so if you haven't seen the batman yet uh i believe it is available uh on hbo max and still out in theaters i think so we are going to spoil this movie starting from here all right so let's talk let's dive a little bit more deeply into the pacing and how it could have set up the third act a little bit better my my qualms with the pacing is that uh, it doesn't follow the 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 rhythm of having beats and sequences where there are crescendos to a moment of revelation or a high action moment, and we come down from that high, catch our breath, and then we are on to our next section. Uh, this movie was like a steady, methodical uh, march to the end, and. I think that is where it lost me a little bit. Um, I think there have been other films that have done a really fantastic job. I can't think of one on the top of my head, but have done a fantastic job of prompting us with the right questions that are answered in a certain way that give us more questions to ask. And I felt throughout a lot of this movie, especially in the middle section, like I don't, there were questions I had, but I didn't really feel like we were working towards answering any of them. And they were answered along the way eventually, but I was kind of aimlessly following this general storyline around um, the Riddler the Riddler, and every time he would strike. But I wasn't sure what questions I was supposed to be asking, so I felt a little bit lost. And I think a lot of that is because it's not structured in a, in a, seg- a way where there are clear segments and uh, crescendos, pace building, coming down from those. Uh, we just kind of get an even keel march to the end. What were your thoughts? I think uh, I would break this movie into the tale of two halves. And um, the the first half for me was like Detective Batman, you know, Batman Holmes. And he's on the case and he's trying to solve mysteries and it's great. And I, I enjoyed uh, like how methodically he went through that. And it was kind of very reminiscent of like Zodiac and Seven and, you know, these really, really good movies. So like I was intrigued. It was a little bit ridiculous to have a whole Batman showing up at a crime scene with a bunch of cops. Utter foolery. But you know what? I had fun solving the mystery. And then there's the second half, which is like the traditional like superhero-y stuff. And that's when the film lost me because it, it was this like really gritty, noir, detective-y, mystery solving. 
And then we just like cannonball into a superhero movie. And I really had a hard time uh, making those two things connect in my brain. And so I I wish that there was a, a version of this I, I wish the movie kind of would have picked either or instead of trying to do both. Uh, because for me, at least, that didn't quite work. I wasn't able to reconcile Detective Batman and like superhero Batman in the same movie, in the same person. And that could just be a Sarah problem. I'm well aware of that. But uh, yeah, once we got into more of like the superhero stuff, I was like, uh, I care less. I cared much more about like solving the mystery and figuring out the clues and all of that. But that's also just the type of movie that I gravitate toward anyway. So yeah, that second half just uh, lost me a little bit. Was it the moment where uh, he presses a couple buttons on his chest and apparently he can now <laughs> just coast and fly through the air? Gotcha. Oh, God bless America. Well, and then like at the end, he just has this green vial of something and he just injects himself and then suddenly he's invincible and has <laughs> like all the adrenaline in the world and no broken bones or internal injuries when a second ago he could not sit up. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Whatever. It's a superhero movie. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the investigative uh, Batman is a really interesting addition to what we've traditionally seen from Batman, where I think most of the time in the first sequence, we see him do all the big flashy um, high action set pieces with all the physicality and he's battling all the bad guys. Like we get to see that really early on. Whereas I feel like in this movie, we we get to see him really use his brain to solve some of these mysteries and um, slowly work his way towards finding out who the Riddler is and when they're going to strike next. Like it's a it's very in line with the noir genre to have this kind of um, PI investigative type as our protagonist. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that this movie explored in the first half. And I, I love it because in the in the other movies, like Batman is always smart, uh, but I, I really like how this one highlights that. It's not just that he's like a tech genius, but he's also very logical. He's good at puzzles. He has a lot of facts in his brain. And so it was just a different type of knowledge that we see from him um, than we have in, I think, every other Batman movie that we've seen. And so I think that was refreshing, but also this kind of like reclusiveness that he has that I just, I loved that because to me, that characterization makes a lot more sense than like billionaire playboy. Who's like, yeah, so what? I lost my parents when I was 10 YOLO. I'm going to spend my money like a crazy person. Like This version of Bruce Wayne makes a lot more sense to me, where he is so filled uh, with grief and so shaped by trauma that he does not want to leave him, leave his house, you know, unprotected in the risk of further injuring his himself again or having something else taken from him. So I just I loved this very like reclusive version of Batman, which really fits well with the noir genre and just how gritty this and moody this movie is. So I just, it really is a whole vibe that you talked about earlier. Uh, and I love that we got to see that part of a character that we've never seen from a, from a Batman movie before. Which was really great. I just think they, they needed to take it even further than mm-hmm. they did. You yeah. know, I wanted yep. them to lean into that more. And they they begin to a little bit with uh, some of the cynicism that we see from Bruce in this movie, um, some of the questions that he has about who his family was, what that history was, this, this idol that he's made of his father and how that got thwarted. And yet uh, they kind of clean that up real fast in the plot of this movie. Uh, I just think that there's a lot more reckoning and and struggle that I would wanted to have seen Bruce um, try and wrestle with through this movie because I think this movie is in a lot of ways about morality and, and the way that that can be twisted for 
and uh, to justify uh, means in the case of the Riddler and the the way that morality isn't like good versus evil the way we traditionally see in some of these um, superhero stories, but that there's a lot of gray and there are people that are trying to do the right thing. There are people that are trying to achieve justice um, in, a, in an incredibly twisted way. And I just think having Bruce wrestle with that a little bit more would have helped bring an emotional core to this movie that wasn't really there. I would say this movie is way more plot driven than uh, character and emotional, emotionally driven. Um, and I think had they have woven that element in more, this could have felt a lot more uh, meaningful and more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And so I, I think for me, I, I wish that that Selena Kyle just wasn't in this movie. I think is kind of where <laughs> yeah. I've come down to, because mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think that she took up a lot of time, but didn't add a whole heck of a lot of value to this. And I think it would have been a lot more interesting to see him really grapple through these things rather than have this, this other character who didn't even like really like balance him out. Like typically in these movies, like the romantic interest, if we can even call her that um, is, is kind of like the foil to the bad guy or to the, to the superhero. So like, you know, uh, Rachel in the Christopher Nolan movies, like she is the opposite of Bruce and is trying to like constantly call him back to, to who she knows he is and, and all of these things. Um, but with Selena, she's kind of the same note as Bruce. And so she doesn't add a lot of depth or meaning or texture to this. So I kind of wish that like she just hadn't been in this movie. And then we could have really maybe explored some of these things with Bruce at a deeper level, developed his character more and have like a a pretty like emotionally driven movie so that we get to know this new version of Batman. And then if they have a million sequels, as everyone is prone to do, then we at least know this character and can see his growth more clearly over the course of multiple movies rather than this very plot-driven movie that's full of potential, but I don't feel like really realizes any of that potential. That's very true. In in some ways, Selena uh, is more cynical about... Mm-hmm. about Gotham then and then Bruce's. And so he is kind of saving her and trying to keep that light and that hope alive in her. I mean, one of the things that I hated in this movie was the voiceovers. Well, I actually think it was yes. fine at the beginning. Ugh. But in the ending, where <laughs> this cynical, reclusive, moody Bruce is talking so on the nose about how he's going to instill and inspire hope in Gotham. Mm-hmm. And we see that Selena yeah. is done with it. She is jaded. She is um, just totally cynical about people and has given up on people. It just doesn't seem fitting with the character of of Bruce Wayne, that he is the one that is um, the Pollyanna in a funny way. You know, like in, in contrast to her, he is holding on to hope for Gotham. And I don't, at the by the end of the movie, I don't know where that comes from in him. You know, given mm-hmm. everything that he's seen, observed, experienced in his life, he should not still have this hope with such tenacity. Yeah, it would have been more interesting if he would have left with her. Yeah, you know, they both yeah. give like into that cynicism, and he's like, "To hell with it, let Gotham burn," and that would have been mm-hmm. a really interesting ending. And that would have been good setup for another movie. And then that's when he would go through the redemption and he'd find hope and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, I agree. At the end, I was literally rolling my eyes. It's like, and I mean, hope is great. We all need hope. Like things are going to hell in a handbasket right now in our world. Yes, we need hope. But uh, yeah, it was too cheesy and did not make sense with the character, nor did it make sense with the plot line at all. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And especially with what we know about this character and the way that he's interacted with the people in his life, even the closest people in his life, like Alfred, uh, he doesn't talk that way. You know, like we don't know people in our lives that are cynical that 
talks so so clearly and and so um, uh, explicitly about hope in this way. And so it it felt like a an odd relationship with him as the viewer that he would he would share his his desire to keep hope alive in such a um, explicit way. It was just all super off. Mm-hmm. And it, it also makes me think of the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, because that is a very key theme throughout those as well. And then mm-hmm. to, so to see the Christopher Nolan movies handle that so much better than yeah. this movie did. And those were so recent. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it wasn't that recent by now, but you know, they were fairly recent and I've watched them so many times. They're ingrained into my brain. So to have like a good version of this and then to see like a less good version of the same thing right after, it just, yeah. I'm a little less forgiving. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, one of the the directions that I thought this movie might be going in, which I was super excited about, but they quickly erase all of the stakes is um, the revelation that Bruce has that his father, what you thought, uh, ordered to have the journalists killed. Yes. I wanted them to commit to that. I wanted that uh, idealization of his father to be broken and for him to have to reconcile like even the person that he believed was truly good his own father was also capable of uh evil and and um corruption and and will he still choose to fight for the city and fight for the people even though he's had to um kind of have his idealizations just shattered I thought that would have been so great to showcase. But uh, I think about five minutes later, Alfred quickly uh, bursts that that bubble um, and says that, oh, he was a good guy after all. And he was willing to give himself in when he realized that Falcone had had the journalist killed. It just was like a tease into this really interesting um, realm of gray morality that we kind of dip our toes into, but we we quickly step back out of it. And I thought that was a missed opportunity that could have been really fascinating for the themes of this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that that like dark night of the soul moment had lasted way longer than it did because it was so, so short. It didn't have the the meaning that it should have had to make it really, really impactful. Um and I'm I'm okay that they like made his dad good again. I just wish that they would have waited longer because uh, it didn't mean anything then. It was like, oh, just kidding. We're not going to do that. Everything's fine. And that's just, that makes for a less boring movie. Uh, yeah, they just, it could have been better. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it could have, pushed forward that emotional development that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier for Bruce, which is he reconcile he has to reckon with this and reconcile that within himself. Um and have have put in that work so that even by the time he finds out that maybe his father was good after all, he still made a choice or has, yes. has progressed. You know, like he has still chosen to believe in the people of Gotham, regardless of that fact. And that just can be a little cherry on top, but um, yeah, we don't we don't get that. I think that could have been really powerful. And I wonder. I, I think it's because you know the movie was already so long because they're already <laughs> doing so many things. Like we see three right political leaders killed, and like a good chunk of time is spent on each of those. And he has to meet Selena and the Penguin and Carmine, and all of these people. And so by the time we get to to the dad portion, you know, we've already been in this movie for two hours. So I think, again, it just comes back to pacing. And they, I think they just didn't use their time the best way that it could have been. Uh, and that's why we ended up with an event-driven story instead of a, a character-driven story, which 
uh, it would have been so much better if it was character driven because they did so mm-hmm. many interesting things with Bruce. <sighs> Missed opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I I think the, the timing of when information is revealed, like you mentioned, um, the pacing is often on many different aspects. Um, you know, like for the for a while, we 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 kind of have the sense that a lot of these things are important, and that eventually they're all going to collide. But it's just there's no feeling of progress towards how and when they will collide. Right. Um, one of the questions I was asking for the good two hours in the movie is like, what is the Riddler's obsession with Batman? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I was distracted by that for, for a lot of the movie. And then by the time it was answered, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I waited a long time for that piece of information. Uh, but it's a core part of the first two hours. There's repeatedly again and again, the cards addressed specifically to the Batman. And we have to wait so long for that question to be answered and I, it kind of is, is a little bit of a disappointment. You know, you, you, you expect it to be mm-hmm. this grand reveal of why the Riddler was so obsessed with Bruce Wayne, uh, with the Batman. And uh, I think had we known that a little bit earlier, it would have felt more exciting and would have pitched them as um, two sides of the same coin. Like they're in some ways uh, – aligned in their desires which is to uncover the corruption in the city but their methods of going about it are very different um it would pitch them earlier as rivals and batman would also understand who he was hunting as well um i just think that setup happens like way way late and had that been earlier i think it would have been more exciting to see them continued to play this cat and mouse game that they have been uh but their motives can be a little bit clearer Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. When that was finally revealed, it was so unsatisfying. And I, I think it's a shame because I think, so I have some qualms with some of the casting choices in this, um, but Paul Dano as the Riddler is not one of it, them. I think he did a fantastic job, yeah, especially yeah. in that scene where he's in prison and the Batman comes to visit him. And that was just like, I was captivated by that. So I wish that we would have had more time with, you know, seeing Paul Dano as the Riddler earlier on, because he does a fantastic job. So it's kind Mm. of a shame that for most of the movie, he's in a mask. So I I think, I think you're right. If we could have had more of like a parallel track or, you know, more cat and mouse, but knowing who the Riddler is earlier, that would have made Number one, it way more exciting, but also mm. more interesting to see the connection between these two characters and you know their their similarities, and yet they've chosen these different paths. I think there would have been a lot of things very very interesting uh, around that that the film could have done, but it's it's really uninterested in exploring a lot of the themes that were just right there. You yeah, know, I, I feel like there there <laughs> yeah. were a ton of really interesting and relevant themes that this film could have, you know, just knocked out of the park and it didn't take a swing at any of them. And so I kind of I kind of at the end of this movie was just like, what was this all about? You know, mm-hmm. it was I mean, yeah, it's a it's a Batman movie. He saved Gotham, yada yada, blah, blah, blah. But like it should probably be about something more than just a dude in a mask and a cape. Mm-hmm. doing stuff yeah. and yeah. uh it's not yeah I, it's you mentioned this earlier and i had this top of mind as well while watching this movie unfortunately which is the the nolan batman movies and specifically dark knight's the one that i've seen the most so that one was top of mind and the way that every character and side plot and development is all exploring this idea of uh morality and utilitarianism uh even the the joker's final uh set piece at the end of that movie on the ship and the people on the ship um is all exploring this this like idea of how we each define what is just and what is fair and the movie continues to layer on all these different um nuances to this one central subject and 
as you mentioned, this movie has a lot of those layers all woven into it. Just the fact that the, the, the mirroring of Bruce and the Riddler is really fascinating. It's just never explicitly explored in a way that can feel satisfying. Um, the, the, I mean, we could talk about the similarities and what, what Bruce and Selena have in common around uh, family past trauma and struggles and um, their choice to either be jaded and um, cold and hardened by that or their, their, their desire to choose to still believe in people and trust in people. Like all of those, those threads are there. Uh, if, had they been woven together in a more strategic way, could have really painted this nuanced uh, picture for these interesting themes. And I think the Nolan movies do a great job of this. Each each plot point builds on this common theme. And uh, this one has it there. Like you mentioned, it's all there. It's just not organized in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I and I kept thinking, so like the ones that you mentioned, but then I also kept thinking about like, you know, corruption in politics and mm-hmm. all of that and how insidious that can be and, and how, how power can corrupt and um, how incendiary political speech can cause violence and mm-hmm. how we relate to one another in a digital age. And so like all of these other things that are also touched on in this movie. Yeah. But the film doesn't like really explore any of them. Like it, it touches on some of them more than others. But I, I don't feel like anything was handled really, really well. Again, I feel like the Nolan movies handled some of these topics way better than the Batman did. And it's just, it's a shame because the Batman did so many things that were totally new. But it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a home run. It, it didn't. Yeah tick all the boxes. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the Nolan movies, especially the first two, the third one is not as good. Um, it, it just, those are better movies than the mm-hmm. Batman. And it's just, it's a shame. They're so different. So it feels kind of unfair to compare them, but they're also fairly recent uh, in when they were released. So it just kind of lends itself to comparison. Yep. Unfortunately yep. for the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps some of the things that uh, this movie was distracted by and focusing its attention on was things that we loved, which was like the cinematography. Oh, yes. The visuals. Yes. The, the Every filmmaking component that came together to create such an atmosphere in this downtrodden, gritty world. Let's talk about that. What were your thoughts on that? those, those aspects? Oh, loved it. It's great. Um, you know, so uh, before I watched this, I had kind of like heard and like people were talking about how this was like a darker Batman movie. And I was like, oh God, why are we making things darker? Like really, like the world is dark enough. Why do we need another like really dark, gritty superhero movie? What the heck? Um, but I loved this because it wasn't just dark to be dark. It wasn't just gritty to be gritty. But because it was in the style of a noir, it just made sense. And so even though you have, you know, it's, it's very like dark and moody, um, it's also like visually so stunning at the same time. So it's that like beautiful, moody, dark vibe that I just adore. Um, but then I also as I mentioned in my one sentence summary, uh, all of the Gothic architecture just got me. And I I love how the, how the shots were framed and how the camera would move to really, really highlight just how grandiose these spaces are. And um, you know, it, it was really cool seeing this version of Wayne Manor uh, because it shows really just how empty it is. And it's such a mirror to like Bruce's life and his inner world and how empty he is um, because he has purposely emptied himself. And so I thought that there was just a lot of interesting things visually that they did that really helped kind of uh, imply meaning uh, into various things. So I just, I thought it was so brilliant to go this noir route 
uh, and I loved it. I, I ate it up. It was great. I, I'm a fan of noir Batman. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think those aspects are what saves this movie. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Because regardless of, of how the plot is, is unfolding and whether or not you're invested in it, you, you, I found myself just wanting to be soaked in this world, literally soaked because it's raining constantly in this world. Um, but just the, the sensory experience of being immersed in Gotham was a thrill. Um, you know, there, the number of close-up shots of Batman's boots just like squishing through these puddles was just a thrill. And uh, I I think that makes this movie a really uh, exciting experience that um, regardless of a plot, that the filmmaking components are coming together in a beautiful symphony as far as creating a world for us to inhabit. That's great. Ugh. It just, moody movies are wonderful. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. Give me all the vibes. It's fan- yes, I want it. They also really knew how to make Batman just look really cool. The number of like <laughs> silhouette shots of him it's with true. like the city in the background and this orange glow, and you've got it. He's got his little ears sticking up, and the cape is blowing in the wind. Like they know how to make him look really freaking cool. Um, so <laughs> you know, there's a special little thrill that comes comes with that. The little kid in us, mm-hmm. and I, I really didn't expect this movie to be as beautiful as it is. You know, there were some moments where I was like, oh, that's really stunning. And I just, I I didn't expect to feel that way about a Batman movie. So <laughs> that was a new experience for me. The upside down shot of Batman walking out of his car after the car chase mm-hmm. scene with Penguin was, I think I literally gasped. It was, it was <laughs> gorgeous and it and it lets us soak that in for long enough to you know like in another movie would have gotten that short shot and then cut to the to rest of the scene but we linger there it's it's almost like voyeurism we're just like soaking in the visuals of this it's great just enjoy yeah Mm -hmm. it's great Mm -hmm. yeah um all right. Do we want to talk about Selena's storyline? We talked. I think we touched on it a little bit, but um, do we want to talk about the dynamics between Batman and Selena? Sure. How do you feel about the dynamics between Batman and Selena? I just think they had no chemistry, <laughs> to be honest. I agree. Um, I think her storyline feels tangential for the first like hour and a half of this movie, and there's the awareness that it's all going to come together in some way. But I think the link between what he's looking to accomplish and the fact that uh, Selena's father happens to be Falcone is like a little too convenient for me. So I didn't find a lot of satisfaction in that. I just, I feel like there could have been um, a better uh, reason for them to come together other than the fact that she becomes Catwoman and he's Batman and we there's that like historical dynamic there. You know, I, I, I think they could have, potentially been more intentional about how we're going to intertwine these stories together because it felt a little bit loose. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really wish that she just wasn't in this movie, honestly. Like, <laughs> I just – she doesn't add anything, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yes, she helps him do some sleuthing because she can get into the thing and wear the recorder contacts. Like, I get it. But, I mean – Really, other than that, she doesn't she doesn't add a whole lot. She's on her side mission to find her her roommate who was murdered. And that's it. Yeah. And then like in the end, she's like, oh, I'm gonna bat my eyelashes at you, and then you're gonna help me find her. And yeah. stuff happens. I I just I wish that she wasn't in this. I don't think she added a whole lot. Like you said, they didn't have any chemistry. And honestly, like I just, I wanted to take her and go, okay, Selena, let's get you some therapy because why are you trying to make out with pasty white man who you just met, who you can't see half of his face? Like, are you kidding me? This is like, let's just make better decisions. Okay. Let's just not go around trying to make out with strangers who we don't know where they've been or what they're doing. You don't even know his name. 
Let's make better choices. But a lot. All she had to work with was his mouth. That's all she could see. And she made a bold choice based on that mouth. But I really hope. It was a risk. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that wherever she drove off to on her motorcycle, that she can get a really good therapist and just work (laughs) out some of these issues because she's got some problems, as we all do. But I just, Mm -hmm. I hope, I hope that she can find some emotional health and get over her trauma because she's been through a lot in her life and just lead lead Mm -hmm. a happy, healthy, productive life with her 17 cats. (laughs) So uh, we've got uh, (laughs) candidate number 1,002 for Sarah's (laughs) list of uh, movie characters that need therapy. Basically all of them. It's a like, long wait say, list, okay? <laughs> all, every character in every movie needs therapy. Like, let's just, <laughs> all of them need it. It just makes the list easier. <laughs> this is true. Oh, man. I just, I, I need her to choose better timing for when she's going to uh, make a move on Batman. <laughs> because yeah. they would be just having gotten finished uh, some big old grand adventure. And that is the moment on the rooftop of some building with very high wind uh, speeds right? to uh, make her move. So, And like you'd be like sweaty and dehydrated and you're probably right. like stinky under there because I mean you're both in like black. Well, she's in like leather. I don't know what he's wearing, but I mean, that would probably retain moisture. So you'd be like sticky and gross and hot. And then the wind is going and you're out of breath and the adrenaline is going. And it's just, that does not feel, that does not feel good. Like, like I just, I just want to go home and take a shower and a nap (laughs) and maybe eat a cookie before I take my nap. You know, (laughs) like, it just, and maybe he can take his mask off so you can see if he has a unibrow or not. <laughs> this is these are important things, but Selena mm-hmm. was not concerned about any of these things. No, no, None. she was running on adrenaline. Probably which, like uh, had like chapped lips. You know, it was probably parched because <laughs> I mean they were fighting people running around. Like they needed some water and a rest. Like. This is not the optimal time to be making out with somebody on a roof. No, thank I mean, you. Homegirl had the foresight to to put some sparkles on her face when she was doing her makeup True. before she went out for some fighting out in the town. Yes. So her, you know, her highlighter, is straight. that what that's called? Your highlighter? Whatever you put on your cheekbones. Um, oh, yeah. She got a lot of highlighter. But she had like straight up like little rhinestone sparkles She did. Face, she did. Like, what? the heck girl you're trying to go fight crime okay hey i can't be concerned with this you don't have to sacrifice style even (laughs) when you're kicking butt and taking names like way to go selena way to be a fashion icon and good at punching people i don't know yeah breaking into safes yeah riding a motorcycle it's great exactly (laughs) although uh she she hesitated and awaited a moment before trying to shoot her father, and that was that was her fatal mistake. She did because it she did. happened to be timed perfectly with the exact moment that Batman Indeed. cut the power. So yeah, man, look at that telepathy between them. They just man, I take back. I take back my comment about them not having chemistry. Wow, they are in sync. <laughs> well, maybe their minds are in sync, but like no other parts of them are in sync with each other, and right. hence. The lack of chemistry, but telepathy at the same time. I mean, it's hard to have chemistry with when one of you, like, you cannot see, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, you, you, again, you only have the mouth portion that you know of. I right. mean, who knows what's under there? Right. You don't know. You can't so even none. fall in love with his brain and his mind because homeboy says about five words to you. Right. He just kind of like grunts at you. <laughs> I mean, again, like Selena, let's get you into therapy. Let's talk about your choices in men because you can do better. You are stunning. You are smart. You're mm-hmm. a great human person. Let's get yeah. you a man who will appreciate you and your 17 cats. Well, she goes to upstate, to upstate New York, so maybe a little bit of nature will be rejuvenating Ooh, for her, really you know ground what? her, you know. It works in the Hallmark movies, so maybe it'll work for Selena. 
Oh man, I am dead. I am dead. <laughs> Imagine that um, Selena walks into a Hallmark movie. <laughs> It'd be so good. With the leather, the leather suit strips down. All right, I need to shower everybody before right? I can, because uh, I got to be clean cut and polished. Hallmark, yes. Hallmark does not deal with sweaty or gritty. Exactly. Nope. nope. It'd be great. Be perfectly powdered notice, noses out. <laughs> well, uh, there are two sequels planned and oh, two really? spin-off television series. Oh, God In bless development, America. HBO Max is what I've learned after watching this movie. So uh, we 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 have hope for uh, a wholesome Selena to show up. <laughs> I, I very much doubt that that is what <laughs> anyone at HBO and Warner Brothers is currently thinking. <laughs> I can 99.99% guarantee that uh, no this one is, not, is thinking about this other than us. This is not what the people want. No, no. it is not. No, It is only what you and I want. And we are yes. a very small subset of the population. <laughs> yes. But two sequels and two spinoff TV series. A lot. They have planned ahead. They've got a roadmap ahead. My goodness. So I knew that one of the spinoff series is The Penguin. What is the other one? Do you know? Oh, I didn't know it was The Penguin. No, I, d- I do not know. Oh, I gotcha. Just, two unnamed sequels, two unnamed spinoffs. Oh, I see. This, this article. Interesting. They're going to dedicate a whole spinoff television series to The Penguin? I believe so. That's not who I would have expected. I <laughs> Although I was surprised to learn that it was Colin Farrell who was mm-hmm. the penguin. Yeah. The transformation is impressive. I mean, prosthetics. Yeah. Go a long way. Well done. Well done, people. I did not recognize him. Mm-hmm. I learned that it was him after the movie ended. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other thoughts about the Batman? Uh, I have a few other thoughts. One is okay. one is serious, and then I have a few fool- foolish things. Okay. So after watching this movie, I've just been kind of reflecting on kind of how like this Batman character has like changed over the years, mm-hmm. and how interesting it is to see like one type of IP show up over and over and over again and be like reinvented over and over again because like I grew up so the Tim Burton Batman movies Batman and then Batman Returns came out when I was really young but like I watched those when I was a kid uh Batman Forever and Batman and Robin came out when I was in elementary school so I watched those in elementary school I watched the 1966 movie when I was in elementary school and loved it I still love that movie um and then like the Christopher Nolan ones came out when I was in like high school and college. So like in all of those, like Batman and all of the villains were like so adult. And like, I knew that I was like considerably younger than them. Even the Christian Bale ones, like I'm like 15 years younger than him. So it's still like, oh, those are very adult things. And I don't have to worry about that anymore. But with the Batman, I mean, really like, Bruce Wayne is my age in this movie. And I was just really struggling to grapple with that throughout this, this movie. (laughs) Uh, And just the realization Mm. that like, after this like Robert Pattinson version of Batman, um, Batman will always be younger than me from here on out. And that's just like a weird thing to like have grown up with this character and then to get to the point where like I'm the same age as this character and in, then in like five, ten years, this character will be younger than me in movies. And I'm just having like a really hard time <laughs> wrapping my brain around that. And it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting to have these characters that you kind of like grow up with and then... Mm-hmm. They keep getting younger as you keep getting older. And uh, it's just a weird thing to think about that I I don't think I've ever thought about before. <laughs> they are like immortalized in their in their yeah. uh, in their character selves forever. Yep. They will always be that age. Yeah, we'll be 80 watching Batman. Right? And he'll another be, version of Batman. Yeah, like, he'll be like in his 30s. What, and oh, look at those <laughs> those kiddos flying around. <laughs> right? gadgets and things look at all that energy he has I don't know why that's my old person voice but whatever we'll go with it (laughs) oh dad that is fascinating I 
I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts because I'm less familiar with the previous Batmans. I've I've seen the the Nolan um, ones, but how do you? I because I imagine that these superhero characters, um, they a different aspect of them is drawn out given the the point in time mm-hmm. and what is top of mind for yes. for you know our society right now. And I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on the differences between. Um, the earlier Batmans to the Nolan Batmans to this current one. Yeah, they're so different from each other. And so I I kind of even have a hard time comparing them. Like I know we've been comparing the Nolan movies to this one, but even those are so different from each other. Um, but yeah, they're each of the, the movies are very, very different. And uh, I, I mean, the, the easiest way to explain it is that it, it's getting progressively darker, but I feel like that's uh, maybe a simplistic view mm-hmm. of things um, because each one really does highlight a different aspect of this character. And so I think, again, like that's why I was so surprised by this because I didn't think that this movie could pull something different out of this character that has been portrayed so many times and it does. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's kind of fascinating to, to look at each version. And even though it's the same characters, Bruce Wayne and Batman, and you know, it's the same tragic backstory and, you know, these, these antagonists with the same name, the worlds are so different um, Mm -hmm. because the characters are so different. You know, I, I, I love the 1989 Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman. It's very high up there on my list. Um, and I think Michael Keaton, he is one of my favorite Batmans. And in that movie, Jack Nicholson plays the Joker. And mm. he does it brilliantly. And it's this mix of like joy, but also terror uh, that is so unique. Mm-hmm. And it's still creepy when you watch it today. Uh, and then you watch like the Heath Ledger version of the Joker. And that is so different because he like brings something different to the table. And it's so it's it's even though it's the same characters in all of these movies over all of these decades, they're so different from each other. It's kind of hard to compare them because mm. they feel like different people, even though I mean, it's all Bruce Wayne, Batman. But yeah. It's a fascinating, yeah, it's a fascinating um, way to think about how that there are these aspects about these characters that are iconic. There's parts of their backstories that are always consistent, um, and yet they are different versions and different, we have different relationships with them. The, the, what, the, the, the similar comparison I that comes to mind is just the James Bond franchise and the James Bond brand mm, and mm-hmm. the way that we've reinvented that that figure through the different decades and eras uh and the plot lines of those movies have evolved and changed with um, what has been top of mind from for society whether it's um things we're captivated by or that we are fearful of or uh, things that we feel like we need uh, that that are important or themes that are that are important for us in a given moment um, that are such a reflection of the times that we're in. Uh, it's, it's, it was fascinating to see that we took the direction of with, with Craig's bond to go in an incredibly mm-hmm. gritty direction. And it sounds like with this Batman, we're also taking that turn. Um, and yet we have things like the Spider-Man series and franchise, which has totally taken a nostalgia trip approach, you know, and and playing into that aspect of what we love about this character. So it's 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 just an interesting exercise that continues to happen of how do we make these characters that people already know and love and have all of these iconic um, backstories and character traits and somehow do something new with it. It's impressive to me that we've had so many iterations of Batman. Right? Yes, we've we've had a lot of him in our in our lives over all the years. How have we not run out of flavors of him? 
I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm quite yeah. impressed at Matt Reeves and just the whole team that they were able to find something new that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of your other thoughts that you jotted down? Some okay. So I have, I have three things. Okay. We will start with question. Okay. Uh, so the theme music when Batman emerges, did that theme song remind you of any other iconic themes? Because there was one that I kept singing every time he came up, and I was like, oh my God, is it only me? And it might have only been me. I don't remember. There was a moment that it flashed into my mind when someone was bre- – I think it was when the, the Riddler was breathing uh, in, the, in the opening – sequence of the movie. This is a t- total tangent. Um, but I was like, we're getting major Darth Vader vibes. Like we've got some <laughs> moody music and we got heavy breathing. Like I'm taken back to uh, a galaxy far, far away. But no, I don't remember uh, what the theme music was. And it didn't remind me of anything. What did it remind you of? So the I think it's the first four notes in the Batman theme are the same as the Imperial March. And so every time... Batman would come up and they, those notes would play. Then I would keep singing the Imperial March. And I was like, oh no, that's, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> but every time uh, he came on, I was humming Dark Vader's theme. So that's great. <laughs> I mean, man in a mask. Right. With a cape. It works. All black. It you works. Know? Tragic yeah. backstory. Yeah. Loss of parents. Has to choose. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there there's a lot of similarities here. <laughs> that is so true. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. Now the musical score. Mm-hmm. Just okay. lining up. Number two. Okay. Uh my favorite moment in the whole movie. Mm-hmm is when the penguin in his, like, New York accent, I'm not sure, like, which part of New York this came from, but, like, New York accent is giving the Batman and James Gordon a Spanish lesson. It was the best part of the entire film. I was so pleased, and I could have rewatched that a number of times because I could (laughs) not get enough. I just, I (laughs) want a, the penguin... Spanish school. I think it'd be great. <laughs> and the way he's just he's he's <laughs> describing it is just like how how could you possibly have not known this like, dumbass <laughs> right? It was so good. <laughs> While he's like tied up in <laughs> underneath the bridge in the rain, about to get like murdered by these two men. Uh, no. He's gonna yes. show him who remembers his Spanish. It was literally perfect. I had no notes, no improvements on that scene. It was great. <laughs> that was that was sick. That was sick. And so my my final thing uh, is that there was a pinky ring in this <gasps> movie. No. Did you catch the pinky ring? I did not. Is okay. it on Falcone? It was. It was on <gasps> his left pinky. And so wow. My theory continues to hold it lives on okay we've got we've got we're collecting a, a some change in our pocket now it's starting to jingle in there you know we've got enough coins i feel i feel very validated with this theory so we're just i'm i'm gonna keep on keeping prop. with this theory until uh yeah. it's proven wrong i but mean the batman backs was, yeah he's he's the worst of the worst he is he has a like his pinky ring was big too. I was like, "Dang, you really are a bad guy." <laughs> this is excessive. Wow, look at that! Another data point. Another a data great point. data point too. Right? I was quite pleased. That 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 probably felt good for you. It did. Very it was very satisfying. A lot of elements of this movie were not satisfying. The pinky ring game, perfect. Nailed it. They yep. nailed it. They did. <laughs> So I think the uh, writers of Hollywood have a secret underground uh, agreement that the pinky I ring think so. is an exclusive plot device that can only be used. It's the equivalent of like the Apple rule, the Apple mm. device rule. 
the villain can never have a an Apple computer. <laughs> the protagonist yep. can never be wearing a pinky ring. Oh no! <laughs> so far, I mean, it's tra- we're, we're it tracks. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna keep with this theory until it's proven wrong. <laughs> wow, those were those are great. Those are good ones. Thank that was you. a good way to end that episode. Thank you. Those nuggets of of glorious gloriousness. <laughs> All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of The Batman. You can find it available still in theaters and on HBO Max to stream. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy to your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about The Batman. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We hope you have an amazing week and we will see you very soon.